This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. For the past 15 years, I've been helping children and adults meet their full potential. On our podcast, we're going to share some tips and tricks with you and some of my knowledge on how you can reach your potential and your family's goals. Each week, we'll be highlighting different specialists that can help you understand human development and how to assist your family in living their best lives. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. Good evening and welcome to Ask the Therapist podcast. Today we are joined with Dr. Benji Epstein, who's a clinical psychologist. He's also a Hofstra alum and the Director of Staff Development and Clinical Research at Camp Hask. Welcome. Hi, Dr. Robin Axelrod. Am I calling you Dr. Robin? Dr. Axelrod? Robin? Yes. So Dr. Benji Epstein is also the author of Living in the Presence, which is an amazing book available on Amazon. Go get your copy today. Um, Dr. Epstein, thank you so much for joining us. Can you explain to us how you got to this area of your career? What was your career path like? How did you get to writing a book? Can you just clue us in on you know, what that looked like for you? How much time do we have? How much time do we have? Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I started learning these techniques uh, in graduate school in Hofstra, uh, where go, go Hofstra Pride. And... Uh, it's, it was something that really resonated with me from a therapeutic perspective, and I saw how effective it could be in my own life, and uh, it's something that really spoke to me from a spiritual and religious perspective as well, which is really what the book focuses on. It's more focused and geared towards the spiritual aspects of it um, as opposed to the therapeutic aspects, but they're conjoined. They, they go together. They go hand in hand, and it's something that I... Uh, have been doing since since my second year of graduate school. I do it I do it personally. I do it professionally, and it's a it's really it's a real honor and a, and a, something that I'm starting. I'm also getting certification in teaching, uh, mm-hmm. learning uh, to become a, a teacher of mindfulness. Oh wow! And um, yeah, so my dissertation was on mindfulness. I did a mindfulness based stress inter, uh, stress stress reduction um, intervention for for my for my PhD. And, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been a part of everything. People are coming up to me and saying, hey, how do you know about this mindfulness thing? I was like, it's been around for, for a few thousand years. It's, it, it didn't just start, uh, even though it's become much more popular, to, but it's, it's definitely something that's been part of most major religions for, for thousands of years. Uh-huh. So can you tell us a little bit about, like, what your daily schedule looks like? I know that you're still in clinical practice. Um, you know, what types of things do you do on a daily basis? So, so I, I see people privately now. I opened up my own clinic, um, working primarily with Axis One disorders. That's that's anxiety and depression, but also seeing a lot of people struggling with uh, real low. I want to say self-esteem, but struggling with self-acceptance. Mm. And there's a real epidemic of that. Uh, I think that in any field, you can see how people are struggling, uh, looking for meaning, especially with all the technology that we have. Uh, it's supposed to make our lives easier, but it seems that the Facebook and the Instagrams and the Twitters um, might be increasing uh, people's uh, uh, dissatisfaction or struggle, which is part of the human condition. Part of being human is, is to have the uh, ability to suffer no matter what, and, and mindfulness is definitely not a panacea. It's not going to cure everything, but it's definitely a, an effective therapeutic therapeutic and spiritual tool that a person can be utilizing uh, to find meaning in life and to learn how to, to accept themselves and whatever situation they're in. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, wow. I mean, definitely, you know, mindfulness is definitely something that people are more aware of nowadays or they think that they're aware of. It's definitely a term that has been um, thrown around by most people on a daily basis. Can you just explain to us exactly what mindfulness is? Uh, sure. I think the best definition, the most succinct definition, is the one that John Kabat-Zinn, who is the real uh, godfather or grandfather of bringing uh, these Eastern philosophical ideas to the West. I think he's one of the, if not the primary, but one of the primary uh, reasons that, that mindfulness has taken off. Um, and he defines mindfulness as paying attention in the present moment non-judgmentally as if your life depended on it. And he sometimes adds a few things, and you can break down that definition, but it's really taking things that we're able to do innately. We all can pay attention, and it's just making it the focus and how we do it with non-judgment because our minds are constantly judging and how we do it, how we have to constantly be bringing ourselves back to the present moment. And that's the only moment that we have, except we spend a lot of our days focused on the future or ruminating about the past. And it's a real skill, which we all possess. Um, and we'd all agree that we'd want to be more present to the relationships in our lives, to the, to the jobs that we're doing to the hobbies that we're partaking in. Um, but our brains are hardwired to not be mindful. Um, and so we have to really be skilled at, at bringing ourselves back to this present moment. And okay. mindfulness is the, is the techniques of, of how you do it. Uh, so you use this mindfulness in part of your clinical practice, suggestions to different individuals that you see? Yeah, it's definitely become more and more part of how, I, I mean, I shifted more uh, from being a cognitive behavioral therapist, which is how we were trained in Hofstra, which is focusing more on, I wouldn't say disputing the thoughts, but more about trying to change the thoughts. And what mindfulness does is it changes not the thoughts, it's saying like you have a thought that says nobody likes me and you know, you'll work through that thought and be like, oh, we have some friends who like you and your parents like you and you know, your, job just gave you, your, your boss gave you a positive job review. So we can sort of reevaluate where mindfulness is just saying, that's just a thought and you can watch that thought and not get hooked by that thought. And once you're able to have that ability to not be fused with those thoughts, then you have the freedom to respond in a more skillful way. Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing. I really think that is so amazing. It's like a different spin on your thoughts and reframing. Um, just having a different outlook is, is so, so important. Um, yeah, I mean, students are, you know, a group of people that have a high anxiety, high stress level, sometimes depression. What tips would you give students in terms of using mindfulness in their daily schedule while they're going through the program, while they are, you know, starting out on their career path, their career journey? a great question. Um, by definition, being a student means you're not where you want to be, per se, because you're in school right now to get that degree in order that it affords you the opportunity to practice in, in, in the field of occupational therapy. And we're, I'm assuming we're talking about OT students, yeah. but in general, any student, whatever field you're talking about, but we'll say specifically to our OT uh, friends. So you're, you're in school, and the school becomes a means of, of getting to where you want to be going. So the more mindful way is to really, as best you can, be present to what's happening. 
as opposed to trying to rush through it. And, and, and there's such a stress and there's so much readings and, and course requirements and I'm sure there's also practicums and internships and all of these things. And it's really just uh, those gentle reminders to enjoy the journey and to make that time, like we would tell all of our clients, oh, here's your assignment and here's your, here's your homework. And the client will tell you, I don't have time for that. And, and they'll say, well, you need to make time for this because this is important. And so we all need to do that. We all need to make the time to paradoxically stop doing all the things that we are trying to do and, and find minutes and, and pockets in our day to just pause and keep ourselves aligned with our values and make sure that we're not just rushing through in order to get to that next step, which is easier said than done. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, are there, I mean, are there specific... Um, you know, types of things that they can do on a daily basis or a weekly basis that would help them with um, calming and using mindfulness? Uh, there, there are fantastic apps out there right now. Uh, what comes to mind is Headspace and Calm. I think they do uh, cost some money. But the truth is if you do a little work, you could find some fantastic uh, guided meditations on YouTube. There's Insight Timer is, is, a free, uh, is a free app that has some pretty good guided meditations, but ultimately it's, it's deceptively simple, as John Kabat-Zinn says, because we all know how to breathe and we all know how to pay attention, but it's really learning how to, the, the skills of sort of going against what our minds are paradoxically telling us that we have to be doing and not playing into that, because our minds are so amazing. Our brains are great. They're, they allow us to do all these things, but they're also not able to naturally be present because the brain is sort of um, wired to be anticipating the, the concerns. No, none, of, none of the students who we're talking about are spending time daydreaming about how they're going to get perfect scores and how they're going to get the greatest job right out of college and out of graduate school. It's more the worrying which our brains naturally do to give us some sort of sense of control over situations that we have no control over because the brain craves certainty. And part of what mindfulness can do is help you cultivate that ability to be okay with just not knowing. So it's those apps. There are, there are books. Uh, Eckhart Tolle's wrote, wrote, written some great books. Sharon Salzberg, John Kabat-Zinn, Benji Epstein. Mm. Uh, and so <laughs> they're, they're, it's really just carving out that time. Just like you're going to carve out that time to, to, prepare that, to prepare that healthier meal or to carve out that time to make sure that you get in your, your workout, it's going to be making that, that time to really just pause in your day. It could be for two minutes, it could be for 20 minutes, but really just pausing and allowing things to just be, which is a lot, again, easier said than done. Wow. Okay, thank you. Um, can you share a success story that you've had with a client using mindfulness? You know, it does sound like um, something that is so useful and that could be really helpful to people. Can you share a story of success that you've used and maybe some challenges that you've also had with using these techniques? I'll, I'll use the book more just because I have just something that, that's real life that I just got a text from someone. So it, it, it's something along those lines. Um, where he wrote to me that uh, I only wish I had it 20 years ago, this book, because yeah. he's been so busy and, and dealing with so much stress, and it suddenly things just come into place where you feel like 
I don't have to keep running to, to keep my head afloat. And really, it's, it's, it's all internal. It's all that mindset that you're doing. Um, he actually asked to design a work. He's a teacher now. He wants to do a workshop uh, to, to do with his students, which is really, really gratifying. There have been so many people who have just said, thank you so much for just helping articulate what I've been struggling with and seeing, again, this is from a spiritual perspective. Um, but people really are able to, to accept themselves. I have clients who six months ago uh, were in dysfunctional relationships and she just got engaged a few days ago. Wow. And so using, just, and I'm not just attributing it to the therapy. There's obviously there's so much work that a person is doing on their own because you're only with a person once or twice a week. But to see how a person is able to shift and give themselves that compassion to learn how to forgive themselves because they see how much their negative thinking is crippling them and, and stopping them from taking chances or believing the stories that their mind is, is telling them, that they'll never have a functional relationship, you'll never be a, a successful OT, you'll never get the job that you want. And some people don't have these problems. I mean, I talk about loving yourself. I talk about finding positives. And some people come over to me and they say, I don't like those speeches because they make me sad because I'm always positive. I never look at myself. I said, you're blessed. But most of us, myself included, uh, struggle with doubt, struggle with, with lack of, of confidence sometimes, struggle with feeling like we should be doing more. And, and our, it could be our harshest critic. And uh, I know that wasn't the most concrete. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to find a concrete example. No, but, that's. Uh, I've, I, I've just seen. I've seen. I've seen the therapeutic. The therapeutic benefits um, are really, really inspiring. And what about some challenges or failures that you've had along the way using this technique or using these techniques? I think part of the challenge is is, is uh, you also want to be living uh, or practicing what you preach. And it's really hard to maintain this discipline, which, which make, I think to be an effective clinician, to be an effective mindfulness teacher, um, you have to really be practicing what you're preaching. And uh, sometimes I'm not. And, and that really sometimes comes off and the sessions won't be as successful or I'll be trying too hard to push it too fast or I'll want it to work faster than it is. And sometimes it's, it's not going to be, it's not, and it's not for everyone. Uh, the notion of sitting, I remember I once described to my wife uh, a, a day retreat where you sit for 45 minutes and then you do a 45-minute walking meditation and then you sit for 45 minutes and you walk for 45 minutes. And she looked at me and she said, that sounds like the most painful day. She's like, and you want to pay to go do that? So you have to know that it's not for everyone because sometimes you get bit by the idealistic bug and you want to just you know, spread it to the whole world. It's not, it's not necessarily for everyone. Most people can benefit from being more in line with the values that they're living. Whether or not they have to meditate to do that is, uh, you know, is a personal choice. Wow. But I definitely, I, I definitely also struggle with the, the notion of being a teacher right. uh, of mindfulness. Like you, you, you feel like you have to be this guru. Mm -hmm. that, 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 did you feel that way also when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're teaching oh, totally. uh, your classes that Totally. You have to be the best clinician. You have to have all those answers. You have to have the most creative ideas. Definitely. Right. Definitely. That's true. And you've got, you've got to razzle, 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 dazzle the students, and every single lecture that you have to do has to be, you know, breathtaking. And, and we, both, we, we both know it's not true, but we have that little voice in our head that says, if it's not perfect, then why even bother? 
Right. Or you need to do, you could, you could do even better. You could work harder at this and, and you could cut out all the sleep and all the, you know, healthy eating and you could, you got to, you got to quote unquote kill yourself. And it's just like, whoa, whoa, what's, what's happening here? Right. And, and then the self-doubt creeps in because the, the, the student or the client doesn't seem to be progressing as fast as we want them to because we, cause we get to decide that. And then we, then we start to see how much of our own issues come up. So it's really, it's really a, it's a win-win if right. you're able to do it. Uh, okay. And, you know, you already spoke about your book, you know, briefly, but um, your book, Living in the Presence, which, again, is available on Amazon and is a great, great book, so definitely pick one up. Um, could you tell us, like, how did you get to writing a book? What's, you know, what does the book talk about? Um, I'm an Orthodox Jew, so it's it's more seeing mindfulness from from my spiritual tradition because it's ironic that most of the leading teachers of Buddhism in America right now, um, Sharon Salzberg, Sylvia Borstein, Joseph Goldstein, Jack Hornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, Tara Brock, they all happen to be Jewish, and they were sort of drawn to a different tradition. I said, well what does my tradition have to teach and what does my tradition have to inform those who aren't Buddhist? Mm-hmm. And I think you can find it in any spiritual tradition. This is this one that, that, that was mine. And so it was sort of a seed was planted in my head and I did my dissertation and I started thinking more and more about it and all of, of, of my own personal learning and all my personal growth uh, was finding sources that really corroborated these very much universal ideas of living in the present, of being at peace with yourself, of acceptance of yourself, of kindness to others. Uh, one of the of, of the of the of the Bible of, of the Torah is love your neighbor like you love yourself. But it wasn't something that was really stressed in in my practice, and so that sort of those, those sort of thoughts just started gathering until I uh, sat down, and five years later. Uh, popped out a book. That's amazing. That is really re- amazing as a future author. Uh, you know, the fact that you have something in print and that's out there for purchase is amazing. So I really thank you I'm, for that. I'm, um, I'm, the exa- I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm just telling you right now that I'm inspiring. If they say Benji Epstein can do it, then hey, <laughs> anybody can do it. So I'm expecting to see your book. Yes, for sure. August 2020. Um, so thank yes, you so much amazing. for joining you had such good information. I mean, really, you are inspiring as an individual. Your book is inspiring. I am so excited. If you love this podcast, there's going to be a Goal is Soul. The Goal is Soul podcast. That's going to be starting really soon on J-Tribe Radio. It's going to be featuring Dr. Benji Epstein. It's going to be amazing. Um, all the stuff that we discussed today and more. So definitely look out for that. And I'm, the looking next- forward, I'm looking forward to having you as my guest so I can put you on the hot seat. I will and, definitely. Uh, I would reciprocate for sure, for sure. Thank you so much for joining us, and I really appreciate your time and your knowledge. And have a good night, everyone. Bye bye. Thank you.